Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. To say, wow, what a week we had might be not the best way to sum it up. If you're a cattle producer, you have definitely been watching what happens in the market trade. If you're on the grain side of it, you've seen some of the struggles that have gone on, especially as we've got spring planting now underway. And if you've got wheat, you're really frustrated there. Will Mother Nature bring us the rain it's supposed to and the cooler temperatures this next week? We'll find out all those details as we continue with this week's report. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me, Ben Rand. Ben, of course, is with Blue Line Futures and the Home Agency. And then we've got Darren Fessler. Darren with Lakefront Futures. And uh, gentlemen, when I said at the beginning, wow, was a word that comes to mind. It has been an absolutely crazy a crazy week of market trade. I appreciate both of you joining us and I'll let the computer decide who's going to get to talk first. And uh, Darren, they popped your picture up first. So let's kind of, in a nutshell, what was your biggest takeaway from this week in the grain trade? Uh, corn spreads, uh, the continued push higher on the cash markets and uh, on cattle. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of end users have already moved uh, their bids from May to July or other months uh, later on and deferred. But the spread action is following a lot of the things, same things that we had seen in 2013. You can look at 2013 D's corn, uh, 20, uh, 2023 D's corn tracking very similar patterns. Same thing as the spread. So, again, uh, if if one is uh, bullish corn, I mean, you definitely want to be bullish the the. The, uh, the May-July spread here, because that thing could get really crazy into the first notice over the next couple of weeks. Then obviously the, the the continued push here higher on cattle here. I think this is something that um, it, it may have some coattails yet. Just see what the weather does. Uh, if you have weather, I think cattle continues uh, quite a bit higher. All right. What about you for you, Ben? I know you and I talked earlier this week, and this cattle market's definitely been on fire. Oh, the cattle market is a sight to behold. I mean, Darren has already really talked about something that him and I personally have communicated back and forth about when we've talked, you know, over the phone or texting or whatever. Um, the correlation, I think if we're going to look at 12 compared to 22 with the drought monitor and some of the, the struggles that we saw similar both years, price action similar. Um, Darren hit the nail on the head. Well, you know, we got to compare 13 to 23. Um, there's a lot of correlation there uh, and the, the spreads are telling a story for sure. Uh, and it could get very Western. we got the golden enroll behind us now. And we have a lot of these Western uh, Corn Belt end users that have rolled to the July. Uh, so it's going to be important that, you know, producers keep an eye on the basis, make sure they know what month they're bidding off of. I think for me, the big story um, is, is cattle and seasonality. Uh, technically speaking, we should see a spring high here in here somewhere. But we are talking about cattle fundamentals that we just have not dealt with uh, probably ever. Uh, and when we're looking at comparing, you know, the 14, you know, 13, 14 run up with what, what we're seeing right now in 23, the pace at which the cattle markets are accelerating the upside is unparalleled. Uh, you got April 24 that has now absolutely shattered uh, those records set uh, on the, the April 15, um, you know, corn chart or cattle chart, excuse me, from back in uh, late October of 14. 
uh, by six bucks. Uh, so cattle guys, I'm happy for them. Um, really, uh, it's high time that, uh, you know, they're, they get these, these prices for their calves, but, uh, of the, of the week, I think wheat's the winner. I think we really carved the bottom out in wheat. I think we saw, you know, wheat turn around and really put in a key reversal. So I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, that wheat prices, uh, have some positivity in them. Uh, on the flip side of that, the weather in the wheat belt for HRW is beyond, uh, bad, um, and current conditions are, are really spectacularly horrible. Um, I was down in the Kansas draw last, well, earlier this week and, and part of last week. And it, it's like Mars in some spots. I mean, there's topsoil that fills the ditches. There's, there's wheat that just never even came up. Um, so while it's nice to see the price action, uh, we really got to have some precept. That's another thing that Darren and I have both talked about. Gosh, this Western Corn Belt needs some rain. So I want to come back to cattle, but since we're on the conversation and Darren's head was a uh, uh, shaking in agreement a lot on this wheat. What have you seen um, from pictures that are being shared with you um, from these wheat growers, whether in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas? I have, I have clients all across that the winter wheat region. It's it's a disaster, and that might be an understatement. It's it's you know when I was sharing this with, you with my father, farms his whole life. It's uh, what is this field? And it's, it looks like a field that's ready to plant, to be honest with you. And it's supposed to be a wheat field. And, 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 and hopefully we have carved out a bottom in wheat here. The, my only concern is Kansas City relative to Chicago is historically strong. Um, but the funds really, when we talk about how short the funds are, they're short Chicago. So if we can get them to spook a little bit around this market, just simply short covering would just be enough to lift the tide and really to have them focus more, much more on the fundamental side of things. Now, again, it's not just us and everybody around the world produces wheat. So the French wheat crop is still very good. There's some dryness creeping up in the Ukraine region as well. So there's multiplied dynamics here that's going on in the wheat market as a whole. I mean, we look we look at we're always going to be the one of the more expensive wheat markets in the world. That's just how we are logistically. But there is a definite issue here. And the story is spring wheat the story is winter wheat. It's just now if we can get to the funds to short cover a little bit, create that narrative here where, hey, we do have some serious issues here and the weather has not been our friend. It doesn't look like to me when you come Monday's crop progress, how this is ever going to turn around without precip. And even if you get one or two inches rain, some of it's past past due and it's it 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 may not matter at this point for some especially if you're in southwest kansas it rain at this point is probably not going to help you too much so then does that mean we start looking for alternative crops to go into that field obviously weather related um if they can get the moisture they need is it corn is it beans is it sorghum what are you hearing the replacement crop might be or summer fallow. I mean, it, 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 you simply have to have moisture. And I think that's, I have a lot of clients down in that Southwest corner where they normally, they, they're plant hot and heavy now. And they're still, them are, what do we do? We, we don't know if the rain's going to come. Do we just PP it? Do we, if, if anything, they probably would go to corn. Uh, maybe some of those regions might go to cotton, but again, cotton's not, uh, you know, price-wise is not incentivizing guys to do that either. So it, it's leaning toward the, you know, abandonment at this point and maybe just some summer fowl or cover crops. So, Ben, what have you seen as, as you were driving down there? Did you see any sort of uh, field work going on at this point? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of pre going on. The stuff that, you know, guys were expecting to put in the, the corn and into corn or sorghum. And there's not a lot of soybeans that are growing out there. So you saw pre going on. You saw a lot of fertilizer, some tri strip, tri strip tillage taking place. Um but I think the 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 thing that's the most alarming is the amount of of chiseling that was going along the the wheat fields, just trying to preserve some of that topsoil. 
Uh, and Darren's right. We got to look at this from an agronomy and a conservation standpoint uh, to some extent as well. But even looking back into last year, guys that had to do this in southwest Nebraska and eastern Colorado that, that went through this horrible wheat scenario that the guys further south of them are now experiencing. Um, if there's no moisture, you, you can drill all the cover crop or plant all the corn you want. It is just not going to matter. Uh, and there was, it, it, it's just really, um, it's just, you, your heart goes out to those producers in that part of the world because they are up against a um, set of scenarios where the outcome, there's just no good outcome um, without precip. And so, yeah, I harp on the precip thing. We have got it. We've got to have it. If, they, if they're going to want to do anything besides abandon it, we, we got to have some rain in that part of the world. Uh, we'd like to see some in our neck of the woods as well with all the fires that we've seen in the eastern part of Nebraska. So, Soybeans, I mean, we saw this snow melt in the Dakotas with 90 degree weather and snow melting as fast as it did, Darren. It seems like this prevent plant is kind of talk has disappeared a little bit. And so has the corn versus bean acres kind of slowed down a little. Yeah, uh, speaking with clients in North Dakota, the, the concern two weeks ago is not the concern that we're seeing today. Uh, and, and it's and it's a good way. I mean, it, things are progressing nicely. Now, I think the bigger concern for a lot of those producers is if they get this inch or two rain, does it does it compound some issues that with the snow melt that's going on? Could be an issue here. I have some guys in Northeast South Dakota that are dealing, obviously, with the same type of issue, some flooding. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's minor flooding. It's not match, major by any means. Um, it, I think the USDA is kind of spot on here, maybe with these acres. Maybe they are right. Maybe we are at this 92 million because conditions have turned. Maybe they are right on the beans. And that, that continues to lead me to the belief that if weather's not an issue here, and we still have to think about the potential of a 180 because it is dry out here. I mean, I know the wind here in the Western Corn Belt has really dried things out, and we needed rain desperately. If we get the rains, though, and we get cropping on a fairly timely manner, then 180 is definitely possible. Then we start looking at what is the potential carryout numbers on both corn and beans, because as the beans move out of our export window, they're going to favor Brazilian origin. And so we still don't know about Safrina corn crop. We don't know how our corn crop's going, but let's just say everything pans out. We could be looking at drastically lower levels than what we are right now, where we're 50, 70 cents, maybe a dollar lower from here if it gets crazy. So you may got one or two shots to really be aggressive, reward this market. And it just goes back to my belief here. Maybe the issues that we had two weeks ago in the Dakotas are maybe not an issue anymore. Maybe they're just going to get out there late April, early parts of May, maybe second week of May and be just fine. They were last year and it ended up being pretty good crop for a lot of those guys. All right, Ben, I'm curious. We're going to jump back to this cattle market. As we look at the fact that you talk about the dryness that was seen in Kansas, Oklahoma, that means there's no place for cattle to eat. There's no no grazing opportunity as well. Does that put some extra pressure on this cattle market? Well, yeah, it does. And we got to see some of this pasture come back to life. It's in pretty poor shape. Uh, you get west of McCook uh, and you start working west towards Ray, Colorado, and then south again towards Goodland. And, um, I, you know, I, I drove a lot of those acres just Tuesday and Wednesday going out and meeting with guys. And they are in really, really bad shape. There's a lot of places where guys can't even, landlords aren't even going to allow them to come back. Uh, but here, here's the big caveat. We see a situation where the cattle can come back. Hold on. Cause those prices are going to go through the roof. And we talked about that. It'll be an interesting ride that we'll be on. Thanks gentlemen for joining us this week. You bet. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
All right, Ben Rand, Darren Fessler joining us this week. And as we always remind you on this program, commodity features and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. A look at the markets as we wrap up this Friday trade being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Board right here on the Rural Radio Network.